Welcome to the Wesley Show. I think I should just carry him up here this whole time and maybe I'll be more entertained. We had a good laugh in uh, Sunday school this morning. John admitted that he doesn't listen to me at all. And uh, what'd you say? He said something like, yeah, last week I was just thinking about this thing that I just, during the sermon, I was thinking about this thing, this thing. And I was like, you don't listen to me at all. I just sound like the Charlie Brown teacher. I do the same thing. So we're all, it all just happened. So wah, 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 wah. I know that uh, my punchline of that joke was going to be, I'm, I'm really going to miss Mary Sue and, and John because I think they were probably some of the best listeners in the room. So last week we learned from Jesus how he wants us to treat each other regarding judging one another. Remember, uh, lost people are lost. There is no reason for us to judge them. God is in uh, charge of their judgment. We are responsible for holding our Christian brothers and sisters accountable for their actions in a loving and grace-filled way. And earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us how not to pray like the Pharisees. Remember, remember He told us not to pray out loud and ramble on so that we could be seen by others. And then He goes on to model how to pray by giving us the Lord's Prayer. In this portion of the sermon, he gives us further instruction on how to effectively pray. God wants us to be confident in our prayers. He wants us to be persistent in our prayers, and he wants us to be consistent in our prayers. And I don't know about you all, but sometimes when I sit in prayer time, I feel a bit inadequate because God is so large and we are so small, but he wants us, he wants us to be in relationship with him through prayer. You know, we might think, God, you're so big and I'm so small. What am I to do? Or, uh, surely, God, you don't have time for me. But he does, doesn't he? But Jesus clears up these concerns for us uh, in, these, in these verses. In uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, he says, y'all having projector problems today? It's okay. Oh, there we go. Sorry. There we go. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Sometimes we might want to. Or if you ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So Jesus, the God of the universe, is telling us that He wants us to talk to Him. Keep on asking. That doesn't mean stop asking. It means exactly what it says. Keep on asking. So in other words, Jesus is saying, talk to me always. I read a biography of a man named George Mueller in a, in a seminary class, and I assume that Jordan Jones might be the only one in the room that's heard of George Mueller. Is it, oh, John, you've heard of George Mueller. Okay, so what was Mueller known for, fellers? Other than that. <laughs> that's, that, that's the one. Prayer. Prayer. He was a man about prayer. But he was also known for those things, orphanages, and, and we're going to hear about those things too. So this, is gonna, this might seem like a biography lesson on George Mueller, and it sort of is, but I'm going to get to a point after all this. So Mueller was born in 1805 in Germany, and 
why is Mueller important this morning? I'm glad you asked. I should have had Dale. I should have. I should have posed the question to Dale, but I know he doesn't listen because the last time I did that, he just stared at me blankly. Everybody else participated with the gasp of the amount of money that we gave to KBC, and Dale was supposed to stand up and say, "Where does all that money go?" And he just sat there like this. But that's okay. So why is George Mueller important this morning? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Dale. George Mueller believed heavily in the power of prayer. He prayed for all of his needs. He had children. Guess how many documented uh, examples? Right, let me think about this. He journaled heavily. He had answered prayers documented. Guess how many answered prayers he had documented? Somebody guess it. Tucker, how many? 50,000. 50,000 documented answered prayers in his life. And I'm going to do a little reading from the book. Once while crossing the Atlantic on the SS Sardinian in August 1877, his ship ran into thick fog. He explained to the captain that he needed to be in Quebec by the following afternoon. But Captain, captain Joseph Dutton said that he was slowing the ship down for safety and Mueller's appointment would have to be missed. Mueller asked to use the chart room to pray for the lifting of the fog. The captain followed him down, claiming it would be a waste of time. After Mueller prayed a very simple prayer, the captain started to pray, but Mueller stopped him, partly because of the, captain, the captain's unbelief, but mainly because he believed the prayer had already been answered. Mueller said, Captain, I've known my Lord for more than 50 years and there is not one instance that I have failed to have an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, for you will find that the fog has gone. When the two men went back to the bridge, they found the fog had indeed lifted, and Mueller was able to keep his appointment. The captain became a Christian shortly afterwards. George Mueller prayed for all of his needs. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. 50,000 documented answered prayers. That's a lot of answered prayers. I would run out of journal uh, energy, I think. He must have had much energy. Many of his prayers, according to him, were answered the very same day that he prayed the prayer, which is uh, pretty fascinating. I was reading, uh, I was skim reading Mueller's biography because I, because I wanted to use him as an example for prayer. And there's a, there's a chapter titled Simply by Prayer. Mueller was a pastor and he also did uh, an intense amount of orphanage work, as Jordan said. So good job, Jordan. But we'll get to the orphanage stuff here in a minute. So the, the, the chapter titled Simply, Simply Prayer highlights a sermon that he preached about 200 years ago. And can anyone guess the passage that he was preaching? It was Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Keep on asking and you'll receive. So in this sermon, Mueller gives four conditions on which successful prayer depend. And condition number one, these are in your bulletin if you want to follow along there. Condition number one is our request must be according to God's will. And what's the best way to know that our prayers are aligned with God's will? It's to be in the Word of God. That's how we can align our life easily and evidently with God's will is to be in the Word. And we should be in the Word constantly. And we should even consider praying Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, and this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So a prayer that would be aligned with God's will in that, in my opinion, would be, Lord, I want to do your will. My desire is to be known by you. Allow me to live my life in ways that are glorifying to you. Make it abundantly clear what direction you want me to go day to day so that I glorify you most fully and faithfully and not glorify myself. Please give me a radical desire to know and understand and love your word because I know that's how I'm going to better know and understand and love you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Our prayers need to be aligned with God's will. And the easiest way to do that is, our, is to align our prayers with God's word. Condition number two is we must not ask on account of our own goodness or merit, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, it says, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Well, that sounds easy enough, doesn't it? We can ask for anything in His name. But wait just one second. If we turn back to the book of Psalms in chapter 66, verse 18, the psalmist says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So we must repent of our sins. If we have sin in our life, turn from those sins. Confess your sin to the people and to God and turn from these sins. And then the psalmist goes on to write, But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw His unfailing love from me. So if we go to the Lord in prayer, we better not have some unrepentant sin in our life or we're, it's, it's not going to go well for us. Condition number three, we must exercise faith in the power of prayer. Oh, I'm sorry. We must exercise faith in the power and willingness of God to answer our prayers. Now, I'm sure this is an old-timey Baptist saying that you all have heard a hundred times, but I didn't grow up in an old-timey Baptist uh, situation. But this, this man named Freddie Smith, he, got, he has a real deep voice like this, and he would say, uh, he would say in Bible study often, don't, don't pray for rain and then leave the house without your umbrella. And I'm sure you all have heard that a hundred times, but when I first heard it, I just had a big laugh. And we do that sometimes, so don't do that, Freddie would say. If you pray for rain, walk out expecting rain. So if your prayer is aligned with the will of God and its purpose is to bring glory to Him, expect that prayer request to be fulfilled. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So let's recap our conditions. Condition number one for successful prayer Condition number one, our requests need to be according to the will of God. Condition number two, we are to ask in the name of Jesus and not for our own merit. Condition number three is when we ask, we should have faith that God will answer our prayers. Now, condition number four, this is the curveball. When I first got here, I had a lot of little baseball illustrations. Here comes the curveball. Don't strike out on the curveball, okay? But this is the tough one. Condition number four, we have to continue patiently waiting on God until the blessing we seek is granted. Now, does anybody struggle with a bit of patience from time to time? Tucker, Tucker Rowland does, he says.
Tucker Rowland might have replaced uh, John Rowland as my level of confidence in the nearer front row. I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. I got I to gotta jab somebody other than Dale every now and then. You are. <laughs> LD told me to keep on jabbing. Yeah. Okay, so condition four is we have to continue patiently waiting on God until the blessing we seek is granted. So Mueller in his book uh, tells a story that I'm going to read to you right now. In November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. That word is conversion. I prayed every day without one single intermission, whether sick or in health, on the land or on the sea. And whatever the pressure of my engagements might be, 18 months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thanked God and then continued to pray for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them, and six more years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three, and I went on praying for the other two. The two remain unconverted. The man to whom God and the riches of His grace has given tens of thousands of answers to prayer, sometimes in the same day or hour which they were offered, has been praying day by day for nearly 36 years for the conversion of these two individuals. And yet they remain unconverted. For next November it will be 36 years since I began praying for their conversion. But I, but I hope in God, I pray on, and I look yet for the answer. Therefore, beloved brothers and sisters, go on waiting upon God. Go on praying. Only be sure you ask for things that are according to the mind of God, for He does not desire the death of a sinner. This is the revelation God has made Himself, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Go on therefore praying, expect an answer, look for it, and in the end you will have praise to God for it. So, what about the two unconverted people? He goes on to say, or what well, the biographer goes on to say, of the two individuals still unconverted at the time of this sermon, one became a Christian before Mueller's death and the other a few years later. So what a profound testimony of God's faithfulness and Mueller's persistence to pray for these five lost people every single day for 36 years or however many years it ended up being. It's an amazing thing. And we are called to do the same. We are to patiently wait to see God move and work. Mueller persisted patiently out of radical love for his neighbor that his neighbor would be saved. He didn't get to see God save all five, but God still did it, which is, which is amazing. So a very important thing to remember as you walk faith, faithfully with God, God is sovereign and you are not. God is in control and you are not. You are called to walk in faithful obedience. Me too. We are called to walk in faithful obedience. Things are not always going to go the way that we desire for them to go. But God is in control, and if you trust Him, you will be set free from the burdens of this wor world. So we're going to get to the orphanages. We're still on Mueller. This is taking forever, but that's okay. Mueller also had prayers answered regarding his physical and financial needs. Mueller cared for orphans. Mueller said that our prayers should be aligned with God's will. Is caring for orphans aligned with God's will? Yes, it is. How do I know this? I go to God's Word, and God's Word says in James chapter 1, verse 27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So George Mueller decided, God's Word says that I should care for orphans. I'm going to do that. And in his lifetime, he cared for 10,000 orphans, through five different homes, 
And how did he provide the needs for 10,000 orphans over a period of time? Take a guess. Prayer. That's right. He prayed for every need they ever had. He never asked for donations or told anyone what his specific needs were. Mary Casper, did you, have you read this George Mueller book? Okay. I'm sorry that I offended anybody that has heard of George Mueller other than Jordan. Now I know. I've been humbled. So Mueller held prayer in the highest esteem. He prayed for every need he had, never asked for donations. If, if they needed food, he would pray for food. Somebody would show up with loaves of bread. If they needed coal, fuel to heat the place, the five places, he would pray for fuel. Somebody would show up with buckets of coal. If he needed, what else did he need? If he needed clothing, he would pray. People would show up with clothing. That's how he operated. And you might be sitting here thinking, my goodness, I bet George Mueller lived just the most blessed life in the world. Well, no, not really. His wife died before him, his children died before him, and uh, I imagine in the 1800s life was not easy. So it's easy for us to think, oh my gosh, all his prayers were answered. Well, I'm sure they all were, but probably not in the way that he wanted all the time. But George ran the race until the end. He kept his relationship with Christ the primary importance in his life, and he kept his prayers focused on God's will, praying in the name of Jesus, Faith that God would answer his prayers. Patience that God would grant his blessings upon the needs at hand. So besides managing five orphanages, he also established 117 schools, which uh, provided Christian education to 120,000 kids. And the focus of George's life was to glorify the name of Christ above all else. And he did this primarily by caring for orphans. So... Why have we talked about George Mueller for the past however many minutes? Why have we done that? I've done all of that to ask you a handful of questions. And here they are. How are you glorifying the name of Christ above all else? How are you praying? Are you praying? Are your prayers aligned with God's will? Are you praying in the name of Jesus? Do you have faith that God is going to answer your God-honoring prayers and not your self-honoring prayers? Are you being patient with God? Remember, this is the curveball. Are you being patient with God when you make your requests known to Him? And I realize at this point in writing this sermon that I haven't even gotten to the second portion of our, uh, of our passage. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread... Do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? I'll make this very quick and simple. God is good. He is a good God. And He gives good gifts to those who ask Him. But our prayers should not be selfish endeavors. Our prayers should seek to glorify God's kingdom, not our own kingdom. Okay? So if we align our lives with, his, with, with God's Word and His will, our lives will be pleasing in His sight, and that should be sufficient for us. Our aim is to please the Father. We're all going to face hardships in this life. We are all going to pass from this world. That has been evidently clear this weekend. Okay, But God's promises are much bigger than this world, and His idea of a good gift is far greater than our mind can conceive. God's promises, God promises eternal life to those that believe in Jesus Christ. Don't believe me? Let's turn to the book. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is openly by declaring it is by open, openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him? to save them unless they believe in Him. And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard of Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone else tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Now, I'm not going to take my shoes off and show you my feet, but I can assure Amen, Brother James. <laughs> Heather says I have pretty nice looking feet for a man, and she's not in here to laugh about it. And I've probably told you all that way too many times. I'm not going to take my shoes off, but I can promise you this. I'm bringing the good news right now in this moment. The good news that Jesus died for all of us. He wants a relationship with every single person in this room. So wait no longer. Ask God for salvation in your life if you don't already have a saving relationship with Him. If you have been saved, I want to spend this, I want to spend this invitation time today. And I've warned James of this. I want us to sit down instead of standing up. And I want, we all have people in our lives that don't have a relationship with Jesus. I would say the largest majority of the people that we know don't have a relationship with Jesus. So spend the next couple minutes thinking about who those people are. And during this invitation time, I told James there might not be much singing going on during invitation time, but we will listen to his beautiful voice on that little coral colored microphone while we pray for the lost people in our lives. So during this invitation time, I'm going to be sitting up here. If you need to talk to me, that, that is fine. But just come interrupt my prayer. But I've got people in my life that aren't saved. I want to pray for them. I want to encourage you all to do the same. And as we're praying, we know that God wants people to be saved. So we know this prayer is in God's will. It's, it's in His the will of God. It's in His wheelhouse to see people go from death to life. So we're going to pray hopefully about 175 God-honoring prayers about lost folks in our life right now. So keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So let's let's just George Mueller prayed for his five friends for 36 years. Today might be day number one that you pray for this person that you're thinking about for the rest of your life. And we know that God will answer prayers that, that fall into His will. So let's begin this prayer process today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know, uh, we know lost people are all around us. And we know that we have saved uh, friends. We've, we've, we've encountered two saved folks dying just this uh, in the last couple days. And we know because of your word that they are with you in heaven. And that is what a dramatic celebration that must be. And I just like to stop and think sometimes about what the heck are John and Mary Sue doing right now? And uh, just to think about that is, is really exciting. Just to take yourself out of this messy world and, and put, your, put your thoughts on uh, what they're seeing right now. And they don't have to deal with sickness anymore. They don't have to deal with other really bad human attitudes anymore. They don't have to deal with the things that we uh, deal with on this earth anymore. And they get to live in that 
kingdom, that heaven, that perfection forever and ever and ever and ever. They get to, they get to, they get to feel that forever. And we will too if we call on you to be our Lord and Savior. And I pray that this invitation time is, uh, I pray that it doesn't take 36 years to see results of these prayers. I pray that uh, people would wake up and come to you. Uh, maybe even in this moment, we, we get to see that. And uh, I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.